Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good. Okay. Uh, I'm more of a conversationalist than, than a preacher sometimes. Um, yeah, make sure you grab the book, because in the book, you're going to find out that um, since it is a series, normally you go one, two, three, uh, you're going to find out that you're getting week three today. Um, so week three is your week one. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we're going to be talking about a little bit of application of a series that you guys will be getting the front half later. Um, but I think it's good because sometimes I think we hear a message and then we, we're so excited about the application that we forget what we're supposed to apply. And so we, we take the application, we just run with it. Um, here you get to have notes and get to marinate on the application and then get to be re-bolstered about what it is you're applying. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a unique experience for you as a church. So looking forward to that. Um, also, I'm looking forward to the fact that uh, your church starts a half an hour earlier than mine usually does, so I get a half an hour more of preaching time, so hopefully you guys are ready for that. Um, but other than that, really, I just want to say how awesome it is to be a part of Three Strand. Um, the guys in that network um, are great encouragement to one another as pastors, but um, not only the, the guys that meet together, but also we know the churches that are praying for each other. Uh, know that you are, as a church, prayed for, uh, and you are loved by other churches in the area. Um, so know that, and it's a good thing. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, church planting and the believer, uh, and really building on Christ. And so let us open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you first and foremost that you are God, and that you are sovereign over all of your creation. Lord, that you have given us gifts and talents and abilities to be used in accordance to your will and your purposes. So Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves before your word, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to convict us of things that we need convicting, encourage us of things that we need encouragement, Lord, and empower us to do the work that you have called us to do to proclaim your gospel, to build up believers, and to equip the saints for the work of service. Lord, we thank you for uh, all of this. We thank you for this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so today we're going to consider the relationship between believer and the church planting endeavor. Uh, there was a comedian uh, not too long ago that I heard he was talking about church planting, and uh, he, when he was hearing about the pastor talking about church plants, uh, the only thing he could bring into mind is house plants. And so he was wondering why they were having to raise so much money for this house plant. Um, he's like, man, where are you getting this plant from? Uh, it's got to have great medicinal properties and all of that. But when we talk about church planting, we're talking about taking a piece of usually an existing church, a group of people, a group of resources from an existing church, and prayerfully considering where God might want to do a new work. Uh, planting a core group of believers to grow a church in an area that needs to know Jesus. And you might ask yourself a question, well, why do we plant churches when there seems to be so many churches? Uh, an old Texas Baptist pastor of mine, uh, he said, in Texas, you can stand on a street corner and throw a rock and hit a church. There's so many. And, and he, he's, he's, I'm not joking. It's literally you can stand anywhere and throw a rock and hit a church. And that's a good question. If you want an answer to that question, there's an article in the back of the booklet that I go in depth on that. Um, so a little reading this afternoon. But the idea is, is church planting isn't a, a competition with other churches. 
Church planting isn't an endeavor to grow a brand or a, um, a movement. The only thing that we're wanting to grow, according to Scripture, is the kingdom of God. And so we might need to plant a church in an area because it doesn't seem that there's a lot of fruit in that area. There's not a lot of growth in that area. Or it seems like there's a good opportunity with a group of faithful believers to start a work in that area. Um, and if you haven't been here at Roots for very long, you should know that this church is a church plant out of communion in Mount Vernon. There was a group of faithful believers that said the Stanwood Camano area uh, needs Jesus. And they felt led to come and establish a work here. And out of that has grown this church, this body of believers. And so you as a church are very intimately involved in this whole process of church planting. And what's interesting is this church has grown from just a small group gathering, gathering in a place rented from another place, to now gathering in its own space. And now you guys are getting to the point where you're going to have to be knocking some walls down potentially, right? And expanding because there's people that want to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the great encouragement is that you guys get to see this process go and grow. And then at some point you might say, well, are we still a church plant or are we just a church? Well, the cool thing about church plants is you're either a plant or you're planting and you're, you're moving on to that future work. So as you guys grow, you guys get then the opportunity to say, where might God be wanting to do another work? Where, where, where's that next circle of influence for the kingdom of God? And how can we help? And so we want to consider, well, what's our part? And you're going to hear about the importance of the kingdom of God and the importance of God's sovereignty in, from the other pastors. But today I wanted to talk about what does this, how does this apply to us? as believers? How do I engage in this process? You see, because some of you might be thinking, well, church planting, that's the job for pastors. You know, uh, that's their job. That's what we pay them for. That's what we, you know, put money in the offering plate for. So they do all the work, right? They do this. Well, the reality is every believer must embrace the idea of church planting because when we talk about church planting, really that's code for kingdom expansion. That's code for the Great Commission. That's code for the gospel, because that's what we're doing. We're spreading the gospel, and every believer is equipped and called to do the work of ministry of spreading the gospel. So as we gather on the Lord's Day, as we uh, build up one another, we equip each other for the future work of service. Um, in recent years, there's a growing tendency to consider uh, the church is about building community, right? You may have even heard that, like, hey, we're, we're building this community, and everyone's going to come together, and we're going to have hot cocoa, and it's going to be good, and warm and fuzzies, and everyone's going to be happy because we all like the same things, we all do the same things. Um, but really, that's not what church planning or building a church looks like. See, we're not just called to build a community. Community is a byproduct of church building and church growth, but God has made us as a flock, God has made us as a flock, and we, we live in community as a flock. There's nothing wrong with building or having community, but the goal of church planting is to proclaim the kingdom of God, to declare the majesties of God, and to bring the gospel message to the lost. Not only to build community. Again, building community is a byproduct of what happens when you faithfully proclaim the kingdom of God and declare the majesties of God and bring people the message of the gospel. 
When we are faithful to that mission that the Lord has entrusted us, we become part of more than just a community. We become a family. Jesus didn't describe the church as a lion's club. He didn't describe it as a country club. He described it as a family, that we are adopted into a family. And to be adopted into the family uh, is something that's, that's very special. Um, some of us are, have maybe experienced adoption where we, we've actually adopted people into our family. Maybe we are adopted. Maybe you were adopted into a family via marriage. You know, we, we adopt, we're, we're brought into a family. When you come to the church, you are adopted into the church. You have a new family, and there's, there's all sorts of things. Do we like our family all the time? No. You know, do we, do we fight with our family sometimes? Yeah. But they're still family, and we, we work through it, and we come together in Christ because we have the same focus, the same foundation, the same primary love of Jesus. It is the same mind of Christ that keeps us together. Him, his glory, and his message. Church planting is uncomfortable. Why? Because it's awfully awkward sometimes. It's awkward going out into the frontier. I just uh, recently on Friday, I drove back uh, from North Dakota. I had went out and drove to North Dakota to visit my brother and, and take care of some stuff. And I was driving back on Friday from Williston, North Dakota. And it's about a 17 hour drive. And a lot of it is boring. The east side of Montana is just nothing, just prairie. And one of the things I noticed and I felt was when, you, when you're driving through that area, you're very exposed. Everything's flat. There's not a lot of trees, if any. Just flat, grassy. You know, you can't, if the wind comes, you can't hide from it. Like here in the Pac Northwest, we have, well, we got the Olympics. We got the Cascade. You know, we, we're just, we're cozy, you know. Especially this time of year, the rain starts, we all start putting on our sweaters and our boots and our, we got our lattes and we, you know, we're rocking it, right? Everyone's got the turtlenecks and, you know, the guys bust out the heavy car hearts, right? And we get comfy. And a lot of times, I think, in church planting, we want that. We want that comfy experience where things are always going to be okay. But really, in church planting, it's like driving through the prairie. You're going to be exposed. Why? Because you are going out into an area that is ripe for harvest, the one thing you see out in the prairie is fields ripe for harvest. And this time of year, they're, start, they're harvesting, they're planting. And it got me thinking about this idea of church planting. And sometimes we got to go to places that might not be comfortable. We might have to deal with things that might not be comfortable. They might not be in our you know, brand of what we expect. But the reality is it's uncomfortable because it requires work. Long hours. When I stop for gas along the way, you know, I'm seeing guys coming out of their trucks and their trucks are dirty and their boots are dirty and they look ragged and tired because they've been, you know, putting in work. And sometimes that's what it is. It's putting in the long hours and work because they know that the harvest is worth it. Sometimes that work can last for years. It can be disappointing and demand adaptability, selflessness, which to be totally honest with you, we as humans aren't really, that's not how we're usually wired is to be adaptable and selfless. Everyone's required to play different roles, right? Some, uh, some of those roles demand humility, dependence, uh, significant effort and leadership. So you got to make sure you have good leaders in, in the roles. 
So how should we as believers then approach church planting? Saying, Patrick, what you're talking about doesn't sound like a lot of fun. You know, it is. I'll tell you that. Um, it reminds me of that 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 meme that you see on on uh, the reel or whatever it is. And you know, is it worth it? And he's like, if you're strong enough, yeah. That's kind of what church planting is. Is it worth it? Yes, absolutely, it's worth it because one, it's what God calls us to do. Uh, but we have to rely on the strength of Christ to get us through it. So we need to be reminded that we live for an audience of one. We live for Christ. We live to glorify God. That is our audience. That's who we desire to please with our life. As we were talking in Sunday school, not to earn his favor, but to worship him, to be thankful, to, be, to glorify him. And so when church planning is on the table, it's easy to get distraction, distracted and do it for the audience of self, for the audience of people, we do church planning because God gave us a mission. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel to all creatures, to establish God-honoring churches, and to do it all for his glory. That's why we plant churches. And so we get to be a part of that. You say, well, Patrick, I'm not a pastor. I'm not even a worship leader. I can't sing. I can't dance. Well, we usually don't dance. I don't know if any of our churches really dance. I don't know, maybe. I got to go to communion next week. Maybe they dance. Um, but whatever it is, like, I don't know if I have the gift to be used in church planning. You do. Because one of the biggest gifts that you can give to church planning efforts is commitment and consistency, showing up. One of the greatest encouragements you can give your pastors and your leaders and your elders is showing up. Because when you show up, God can do stuff. God can work. Okay? One of, we talk, I talk a lot about this. Me and my wife, we, we have a clinic that we run. And one of the greatest abilities that an employee can have is availability, consistency. Because if you can't show up, you can't do the work. And so being here and being available is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your church, to your pastors, and to your church planning efforts. Um, this morning, we're going to dive in. I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, I'm pretty sure someone around here can find you one. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. When we talk about church planting, we want to plant on a firm foundation, and that firm foundation is going to be Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will di disclose it. But it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, 
God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. See, we need to understand that just like the church in Corinth, the church that he establishes and the churches that he plants and builds are God's churches. They're not anybody else's but God's. Um, in my experience, uh, the church that I pastor, uh, when I came there, I, I came there after, unfortunately, the, the previous pastor had some indiscretions and was removed. And the first meeting that I went to with that church, um, I, I kind of expected some people to be like, oh, well, this is the, this is the pastor, I, this is my pastor, I got to defend him. But the reality was, this, I saw people say, this isn't this person's church, this is Jesus' church. And that gave me hope. That gave me hope because you had people that said, even though this person had been here for years, decades, our loyalty is not to a man, our loyalty is to Jesus. I will tell you, pastors come and go. There's going to be times where, where you might, we, we might fail you. But let me, we will fail you at some point. Let me correct you on that. We're, we're not perfect. And the reality is, is we're not designed to be. We're designed to be accountable, which is part of your job in church planning is to hold leadership accountable, to hold each other accountable. But what we see in the church of Corinth, see, the church of Corinth had a whole list of stuff that they were dealing with. But what does Paul point to? Hey, it's not about Apollos. It's not about your guy, your theologian, your favorite preacher. It's about Jesus. It's about if you're building your foundation of your church plant or anything that you're trying to do for the kingdom of God on a personality, it's going to fail. On your ability and your resources to be cool and hip, you're going to fail. Trust me, I'm not cool or hip. My hip hurts most of the time. Okay? But the reality is, the reality is, it's Jesus. It is the foundation. And that's what Paul is pointing out. It's not me. He points to himself too. It's not me. It's not Apollos. It's Christ. Okay? And all this stuff that you're dealing with isn't going to be solved by you putting your faith in a person or you putting your faith in a system that you've developed, or you putting your faith in an idea, it has to be that you've put your faith in Christ. And that the thing that you're trying to build, the community you're trying to build, the, the outreach that you're trying to do, if it's not founded on Christ when the fires come on the day of the Lord, that's what's being described here, it will burn away all of the chaff. It will burn away all of the stuff that is built on weak foundations and the only thing that will stand are those who are putting their solid foundation in Jesus Christ alone. So when you, again, we have to keep in mind that as we, we go through this, you're going to hear messages later on church planning in the kingdom of God, getting the big kingdom of God picture. You're going to hear church planning in the sovereignty of God and trusting in his sovereignty as you go through that process. One of the main things that we're called to do as church planners, as believers, is to be disciples and make disciples. 
And so by doing that and by being called to make disciples and foster and establishing God-honoring churches for all believers, the church is then the Lord's and his people must live out that way as if they are participating in something bigger than their own efforts. See, you have to live out that God is doing a work because he is the one doing the work. What are we called to do? Scripture calls us to sow seeds and reap harvests. That's our responsibility. Sow seeds and reap harvests. Where does the growth come from? God. Doesn't come from us. So as much as I want to grow my church, and I can get clever, we can do some cool, wacky, fun stuff to get people in the door, but if I'm not giving them Jesus... God's not going to honor that. God's not going to grow that. Or if he does, it's going to be grown to the point on a foundation so that the day of the Lord comes, and what happens to it? It all gets burnt away. You see, when we talk about the issues that the Corinthian church was dealing with, what were they dealing with? Division over teachers, right? No, you got to listen to this pastor because he's really cool, and he's, you know... He wears the right shoes. He, you know, he's got the right lighting behind. Like, it's on point. It's fleck or whatever y'all say. The point is, is, is it's, they had divisions among leaders. My guy has better theology than your guy. Okay, well, my guy has a British accent. Oh, man. That's hard to compete with. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Division amongst teachers. Sexual immorality. Divisions among believers, arguing in amongst ourselves, even to the point where they were like, hey, I'm going to sue you. Disagreements of how to conduct, conduct themselves in church. Marginalization of, of people within the church that maybe aren't in the right clique or in the right social status. Denial of gospel doctrine. It's a good thing that none of these things happen in our churches today, right? Right? I don't know, like, if you were my church, I'd say maybe it's happening in our church. You know, maybe, maybe part of the, the conviction of whether or not we're ready to do something outside of this body is, are we healthy ourselves? Are we healthy ourselves? Are we able to be obedient to the only teacher, Jesus? Are we able to live lives that, that are pure and holy and sanctified under his word? Can we love each other even in disagreement? The concept of church planning um, is significant because it, it's a way that we spread the gospel. Um, it, it's an evangelistic endeavor. Um, I know evangelism sometimes is a buzzword for awkward conversations, right? Like, are you going to give us tracts and have us pass out tracts and go knocking on door to door? Um, Probably not. Uh, I mean, I've done that in the past. I went to a church. We used to do Thursday night soul winning. And we'd go and we'd go around the neighborhood and we'd knock on doors and invite people to church. You're like, please don't make us do that. That'd be so weird. I remember one time we knocked on this door and it was this Hispanic family and they didn't speak any English. And Brandon, my friend next to me, uh, all he could think to say was, Jesus Christe, with his thumb up. And they said, see, see. And we said, okay. And we turned around and left. 
I don't think the gospel was preached. <laughs> um, we got a thumbs up, so I don't know, maybe. Uh, but, the, but the reality is, is church planting is, a, is an evangelistic endeavor. Why? Because you don't just plant a church why, to, to get Christians in that area to come. I mean, that'd be great if they don't have a home church. But we want the lost to come in and know Jesus. I pray every Sunday that the Lord would fill my church with lost people. Like, really lost, broken people. You want to know why? One, that they would know Jesus. And two, that the Christians in my congregation would get the opportunity to love them and serve them and come alongside them and equip them and disciple them. Our mission at Anchored Faith Church is to win the lost through the proclamation of the gospel without distinction to build up believers in sound doctrine and godly living, applying all divine resources for purposeful life and sanctification unto God, and to equip seasoned believers for the work of service to family, church, God, and community. That's what we're called to do, and that's what church planning does. The goal of church planning is to win the lost, proclaim the gospel, to build up believers, new believers, as they come into the church and come to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as they have questions, we're able to come alongside them and answer and build them up. And as they get built up, then we equip seasoned believers, those who, who are desiring to do a future work in the kingdom of God, and say, I want to be a part of something that's going to expand the kingdom. Then we send you out and we get to, get to do it all over again. Win the loss, build up believers, and equip seasoned believers for the work. So as we talk about further, um, we see that God is the foundation of the church. If you look at verses 10 and 11, we see that according to the grace of God given to me. Again, it's grace given by God to Paul. He says, like a skilled master builder. I have laid a foundation. What is, what is the foundation that Paul has always laid every time he goes into a city to plant a new church? The gospel. Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, the work of Christ. And he does that, and he puts elders and, and gets people going, and then he goes off to plant a new work. And he equips them to build upon the foundation that he laid, which is the gospel. And that foundation is Jesus but we are to take care on how we build upon that foundation. We're to be wise and good stewards of what we do and how we do it. We have participation in edifying the church. Now, you might hear the word edify and think, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to encourage the church. Well, if you actually look at the definition of the word edifying, it means to instruct or improve morally or intellectually. So let's use that definition, I think. I think that's a more appropriate understanding than just encouraging the church. How are you instructing each other morally and intellectually? How are you improving one another morally and intellectually? Are you using the word of God to be irons that sharpens iron? To hold each other accountable to the calling in which you have been called? To the life that which you have been called to lead? Lovingly and with grace and mercy as you do it? We understand that the foundation of which we do this, the building up of, of church planting and building up of a church, is essential. It's essential. 
We are called to watch with diligence the foundation we are building so that we always keep the gospel and we keep Christ the center of everything that we do in church planting. And the only way we can do that is to know him, to grow in him, to be sanctified by him and his word. As we know him more, we grow more in those efforts. The Lord, Jesus Christ, is the motivation, and the efforts are the build, uh, of the builders are in vain if the Lord does not bless those efforts. And we see that in Psalm 127.1. The Lord God will bless that which is glorifying and honoring to him. And so if our motivation to plant a church or a motivation to see something new come out of it is to just have another campus or just have another place that, you know, we can add our logo to or we can, you know, have our, our brand or our image going further rather than the kingdom of God going further, then, then we're, we're not going to, God's not going to honor that. We might be successful but we might also be empty, devoid spiritually. I would rather have a church of 20 people that faithfully seek the word of God and want to grow the church than have a church of 100 people that just want to show up on Sunday because it's a part of what they do. The church is central to, to who we are as believers. The church is, it, 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 you should be missing something if you're missing the church. So, Patrick, I'm busy. Yeah, priorities, they're tough. But the church, when we talk about church planting, we're not talking about making Derek famous. We're not talking about, you know, growing so that we can be cool or we can be the, you know, we can get a bigger stage and like better lighting and better coffee. Like, no, we do this so that the kingdom of God grows and that the sovereignty of God is known by more people. And the call to do work that is geared eternally on a trajectory of eternity rather than on a earthly trajectory, which guess what? That doesn't go anywhere after a certain point in time. That will end. Any earthly trajectory that doesn't have the eternal blessing of God will end. Only the church will last. That bride will, will the, the bridegroom will come, will take his bride into eternity, and the church will last forever. So he, here we have Paul. He's talking about being a skilled master builder, which means that he... He, he had to train. If you're going to be a master builder at anything, you have to train. Um, that's why I have lots of Legos. I have, I have tons. I, I should really invest in plastic um, because it's, it's very therapeutic, and I, I have a lot of, of Legos. And you, ha like, you get better and faster the more you do it. Um, so that's my, it, it's spiritual training. That, that's how I justify it. Um, but the reality is, is you have to train. And it's not just your pastors that have to train. How are you training? How are you training to be a disciple and how are you training to be discipled? Because you're called to both. You're called not only to make disciples, but guess what? You're also called to be discipled. So part of how you engage in the church planning process 
of whatever your church is wanting to do is, am I being discipled? Who is speaking into my life? Who's holding me accountable? Who is the one that is giving me encouragement? And then who am I doing that for? We have to be training one another. There's also a commitment to the craft. You could see a big difference between somebody that kind of does drywall versus somebody that really does drywall. Okay? Somebody that really does drywall, man, they're, one, they make it look too easy and you get frustrated at them. And two, you don't see their seams. If I do your drywall, you're going to see some seams. Sorry. It's just the way it is. Or it's going to take me longer to do it. So you have to be committed to the craft. You have to be committed to Christ. You have to be committed to discipleship. You have to be committed to sanctification. You have to be committed to your church. Now, I'm not saying every time the doors are open, this is where you got to be. I was, at a, I was at a church that used to be like that, where the expectation was if the church doors were open, you were there. You got your suit coat, and you looked good, and you were ready. Realistically, that was a little bit more about performance than it was about my commitment to church, to the kingdom of God. See, the thing is, it's when I'm available and I have the opportunity, yeah. And sometimes I got to reprioritize my life so that I'm actually giving more time to the purposes of the kingdom work that's happening in my local church so that then we can grow the local church, okay? Um, commitment to craft, commitment to knowledge, knowing what the word of God says. Because you can go out there and you could try and argue morality with the world. You can try and argue um, all these different points with the world. But if you aren't arguing from a position of scripture and the knowledge of God, you are a clanging cymbal. You are a annoying trumpet. You're a kazoo. And nobody likes the kazoo. I say that. You guys are going to have a kazoo and worship at the end of the church. Watch. So there's, you have to be a skilled master builder. And part of that is committing to the commitment, the training and the work that it requires to become skilled. Emphasis on laying a foundation of the church. Again, we have to focus on the foundation, which is Christ. If you don't believe me, let's, let's look at what Jesus says. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. What did Jesus say about foundations? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus points out, what you build upon is important. Because there will be storms. There will be wind. There will be difficulties. But in those difficulties, if you have built your faith and your desires and your purpose and your vision on the foundation of Jesus Christ, 
it will stand. On the day of the Lord, when the fire comes, you will be standing. You will remain. The foundation, what? Is Jesus Christ. His kingdom, His sovereignty, His work. We don't do this because we want to. We don't do this because we have a desire to be loved. Some do. And they usually have on their thing the, the number you can donate running across the bottom of the screen, right? Call this number, buy my books, whatever it is. But the point of the church is exactly this. His kingdom, his sovereignty, his work. And what is God's greatest work for humanity? Jesus. That's his greatest work. You can go out into the community and you can feed as many people as you want. You can go out into the community and you can help all the single moms that you want. You can go out in the community and pick up trash. Our church, we adopted a road section near the lake and we go pick up trash. That's all well and good, but if we don't tell people about Jesus, what good is us picking up trash? Is it so we look good? No. We pick up trash because there's people that stop and ask us, well, what are we doing? Why are we picking up trash? Well, because we love our community and part of our loving our community is making it sure it looks beautiful. Well, why do you love our community? Because we're a church and we, we love everybody that in this neighborhood because we want, we want to see you come and be encouraged and know Jesus. During the summer, we passed out cold water bottles at the lake at the park. I'll tell you what, it's hard passing out free water bottles because people look at you. What are you doing? Well, uh, yeah, what's the catch? What's the hook? It's hot and we don't want you to die. <laughs> well, you know, we don't put our church logo on it. We don't put a, you know, Ned Flanders verse on it. No, we just, here's some water. Why are you doing this? Because we love people. We love our community and we want to make sure you guys are safe. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, I know, but we're peculiar people, the Bible says, right? <laughs> that's weird. Finding ways to interact with your community is good, but if you don't bring Jesus into the equation, all you're doing is doing anything that any other social endeavor might want to do. There's a difference between the church the importance of a solid foundation for a thriving church plant is consistency versus the fickleness of culture, the fickleness of man or trends. See, the thing is, is what's more consistent than the gospel? Nothing. What is more faithful and sturdy and steadfast than Jesus Christ? Nothing. If we want a church plant, based on a man, that, that will fail us. If we want to do it on some sort of cultural trend, what's hip, I mean, if you want to go to the church of what's happening now, do it. But it's only going to last for so long before they have to change and adapt because the trends change. Or even worse, the convictions change. We're then, we're saying, well, if I haven't built my foundation on Christ and the culture changes 
and I'm not staying consistent with Christ, I might actually have to bend on what I believe to be true to attract people. I might have to caveat good, solid, sound doctrine and theology to appease somebody's conscience so they're not offended and so that they come. But, it, and, but the problem is, is that's a slippery slope. You do that once, you do it again, you do it again, and next thing you know, you're not even preaching the gospel anymore. And that's the whole purpose of planting churches. That's the whole purpose that you're here as a church plant that has grown over the years. You guys are a great example of what a church plant is and can do and can be in the future. Because I know the desire for the people in this church is to be built on the foundation of Christ. But we see that God will test the work in the church. If you go back to 12, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, um, where were we? chapter 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, there's many things we can build upon, use to build. Each one's work, verse 13, will become manifest for the day will disclose it. And because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. See, our work will be tested. I think if you look at the book of Revelations and you see the letters to the churches, that's them being, hey, FYI, some of the work y'all are doing, not in line with the gospel. Some of the guys, some of you, kind of gospel, kind of not. You're lukewarm, but anybody that drinks anything lukewarm, it's coming out, right? I spew you out. See, we live our lives with the reality that what we do, we will present to God that we are held accountable for what we do as the church and in our efforts to plant new churches, we'll be held accountable to God. And we see that over and over and over again, that the Lord will come. And Jesus himself pointed to this, this truth, this reality. If you look at the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, he gave talents to people, to, his servants, and he sent them off to, to do work, to be faithful. And he comes back, and some were found faithful, and some were found lazy. And the lazy were, were things were taken from them, and, and they were cast out. We're going to see later in Matthew chapter 25, following that, that, that when the Lord comes, he will separate the sheep from the goats. And you want to be a sheep. You don't want to be a screaming goat. Because what happens to the sheep? The sheep were faithful to what God had called them to do. And the goats were not. And the goats were cast out. Matthew chapter 7, there will be those, when the Lord comes, they'll say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all the things that, that, you, that, that are good for us to do in your name? And what does Jesus say? He says, depart from me. I did not know you. Why? Because they were doing it not for Christ. They were doing it for themselves. He says, I, I do not know you. We can think that we're doing good things, but really just spinning our wheels because our motivations or our focus or our foundation is wrong. And so we have to constantly 
remind ourselves of that foundation. We need to constantly be preaching the gospel to ourselves as individuals so that when we come together corporately, we can encourage one another with the gospel. We need to understand that, that our responsibility to contribute to the growth of any church plant or any church endeavor, anything that you're doing, you're going to have announcements and there's going to be a list of things that are going on in your church. Part of being active in some of those things is being active in what God is doing in the church, growing the church. Because as you grow, you'll be more developed, you'll be ready to go so that when the opportunity arises and Roots at some point says, we're ready to plant a church or we're ready to do something with something to bolster something. We're, we're ready to go outside of our walls beyond just serving the community, but, but establishing a new foothold for the kingdom of God. You could say, here I am, Lord, send me. Because I'm ready. I've been training. I've been getting my muscles right. I've been getting my, yeah, everything's clicking. I'm ready to go. Or you can even say, Lord, I'm a work in progress, but still use me anyway. Which is okay. God uses works in progress. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm definitely a work in progress. But what are our responsibilities to contribute to the growth of our church and church planting. First, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Submit to the authority of Christ and the foundation of Christ in your own lives. You see, the thing is, is if one member of the body is sick, the whole body suffers. The whole body suffers. So you say, you know what, I'm not doing well spiritually. Have you told anybody? Have you, have you asked for help? Say, well, I'm doing pretty good spiritually, but, you know, I'm, I'm not doing good practically. Are we loving each other well enough to recognize that in somebody's life that might be going through something? Do we pray for one another? on a regular basis? Some churches have church directories. I, our church has a church directory and people, if they want to be part of it, they can put their name and phone number and stuff in that church directory. And one of, one of the things that, that I um, do is once a week, I pray through my church directory so that I think about every single person in my congregation. Because I'm telling you, the bandwidth for a pastor is about 50 people. Any more than that, it's really hard to, you know, that's why we have plurality of elders. That's why we equip you and another. But do you have a list of all the people that come to your church and are you praying for them, for their good, for their benefit? That's a simple way that you can love one another. And what's great is the more people do that, the more God will work with the power of the Holy Spirit to help you hold each other accountable. To open up and, and say, I'm actually struggling with this and I need some help. Because God's going to show you, as you're praying for other people, God's going God's to show you, you know what, the thing you're praying for about them, you probably need some help with that too. And then that leads to discipleship, that leads to growth, that leads to strengthening, that leads to all of the things that allow us together to become stronger in Christ, in the gospel, so that we can be contribute. 
So watch ourselves submitting to the uh, lordship of Christ as the foundation in our own life. Next responsibility, be involved as much as you can. You know, sometimes you're sick. I get that. If you're sick, stay home. Nobody wants to share that. We want to share the gospel, not your germs. But the reality is, is be involved. Like I said, the biggest thing you can do to help your church grow is show up. That's it. That's number one. Be here. And then sometimes bring somebody or invite somebody. You say, well, you know, I don't want to invite somebody to Sunday morning because it's kind of awkward. Great. Invite them to Sunday school. That's less awkward. No, it's not. But the, the, you guys have things that you do. Be involved in as many things as you can. You know, uh, shameless plug, at the end of October, we have a three-strand men's retreat. So if you're a man and you want to hang out with other men and learn about more about Jesus and how to do all of this better, then come. Like, be involved. Because one of the blessings is, is and I was talking uh, this morning, you might not be ready as, as Roots Church to plant a church right now. You might not just be in a place where you're ready to do that. But collectively, the three-strand churches might be in a place to put something together to do a work. And you get to be a part of that. Church planting is a, is a community effort. It's not just one guy saying, I'm going to go do this. You know, I, I have a marketing degree. I love Jesus. Let's go. I mean, there's organizations for guys like that. Three Strand's not one of them. But, um, but the idea is that we, we be involved as much as we can. Sometimes that means being involved when stuff isn't on the church calendar. Right? Sometimes being involved is, you know what? So-and-so's sicking in the hospital. Guess what? The pastor's not the only one that can visit people in the hospital. So-and-so's struggling right now, um, dropping off a meal. I mean, most churches have that going on, but dropping off a meal, that doesn't happen on the church calendar. Think of all the places on the church calendar of things that is space for you to have opportunities to branch out. Maybe it's you, you notice that somebody seems a little downtrodden on a Sunday, and so you reach out to them during the week and say, hey, let's get coffee. Let's just have a chat. Let's just encourage one another. You know, when the weather's good, let's go throw some plastic discs, right? Let's go play disc golf. Let's do something. Um, I got a guy in my church. I love him to death. He's, he's one of our older members. And uh, we go fishing during, during the fishing season. And we caught a lot of salmon this year. And it's been great. You know, but I can tell you what, we're doing more than fishing on that boat. He's mentoring me. I'm encouraging him. We get to be involved with each other outside of Sunday morning and Bible study and community group. There's other things that we get to be involved with. So be involved as much as you can. Own the work. Own the work. This isn't just a happening. This church isn't just happening. It happens because people say, I own this in the sense of I'm committed to it. I care about what happens to it. I'm invested in it. 
Some of us are invested in things that don't have any eternal significance way more than we're invested in the church or invested to the spiritual welfare of our families or the spiritual welfare of our friends. Church planting says, be invested in the kingdom of God, the work of God that is happening in and around you. And all through this, we need to trust in the sovereignty of God. And you'll hear more in depth on that as we go. But the sovereignty of God, again, we sow seeds because we're called to sow seeds. We trust that Jesus will grow. And when he does, we get to be part of the harvest. We trust in the sovereignty of God in all things. That even when it's difficult. I remember in the early days of Roots hearing Derek uh, talk about sometimes it's difficult. You know, not a lot of people showed up. It's difficult. Sometimes it can be discouraging, but we're trusting in God. We're trusting in his sovereignty that if we remain faithful and steadfast to the truth, the foundation of Jesus Christ, that he will produce what he, what will glorify him. Not what will satisfy us, but what will glorify him. God has given us the blessing to be his church, partaking in establishing other works, kingdom works, other churches. The aim of our commission is that believers we are making will find themselves in a structure of a local church, right? So, you know, we we believe that the local church is important, that we're not just uh, individuals floating out there in the ether, but we gather together. We, we, We gather as the local church that we are called to pursue Christ as the example of holiness and unity in the church. We may disagree on some things, but we need to agree on Christ. Unity in Christ is is paramount. Unity in the church is an intrinsic value to the believer and should be distinctive mark of any new local church that grows. So this church is unified in Christ, built on the foundation of the gospel, Any work that comes out of it should be the same, should be focused on having that unity. If we look at, uh, go to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and we're we're almost done. Some of you are uh, yawning, that's okay. Chapter 12, starting in verse uh, 12. Did I write that down wrong? I think I wrote that down wrong. Hold on. Oh, that, I'm in Matthew. Duh. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of one body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that'd be weird, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we are all single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, 
yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And of those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that it lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and the individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophet, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administration, and various kinds of tongues. All Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. See, we are reminded in Scripture, and Paul is pointing to all that division that you guys were dealing with, Corinthian church. If you build on the foundation of God, you will realize that you are all members of one body. And some of us are feet, and some of us are hands, and some of us are eyes, and some of us are ears, and some of us are noses, and some of us are that, you know, weird skin tag that hangs off, but you're cool. You're part of the body. Okay? We're all brought together for purposes. We all have a purpose. We all can't do church planting on our own. It takes all of us coming together and saying, here am I, Lord, send me. You see, we are the temple of God. We are being formed. We are being built into the, the church, brick by brick, member by member. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which convicts us and strengthens us and helps us in our sanctification. We have unity with each other in Christ so that any effort we do, any effort we, we seek to go outside of the current walls that we exist in, the current circle of influence that we have, and we want to extend out to that next circle of influence, we have the unity of Christ that strengthens us in all of those endeavors. And so we need to watch over that carefully. We need to protect it because there are, there are things that will want to destroy the unity we have in Christ. Sometimes it comes from within, sometimes it comes from outside, but we need to watch ourselves and warning, uh, warning each other about what might defile the temple, what might defile the church, what might defile the body. And the biggest things that can do that in a church is division and sin. You, see, you might even say, well, well, Patrick, how does my individual sin that I may be struggling with affect the church's ability to do what it wants to do? Well, what did it say? If one member of the body is suffering, all are suffering. See, God designed us to be in community with one another to do the work of church planting, to do the work of evangelism, to do the work of gospel proclamation, to do the work of kingdom expansion. He called all of us to do it. So you as a member sitting in your chair, it's your job. It's your purpose. 
You say, but, 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 but I have a list of things that I want to do. Great. Great. That's great. Do them for the glory of God. But you're also called to an eternal trajectory kingdom work that you get to be a part of as part of this local church, as part of a, a broader network of churches in, in Three Strand that we say we come together and we say, hey, where, where we can all, when we as individuals might not be able to accomplish something, but we all together can accomplish something really good. Um, church planting is, is not just a organizational idea, not just a, a, a leadership goal. Church planting is a member, community, church-driven effort. It cannot happen without you, the believer. It can't. It can't happen without your support. It can't happen without your prayer. It can't happen without your involvement. It can't happen without your willingness to surrender to the Lordship of Christ and say, here am I, send me. Am I willing to let go at some point of the community that I built here, the family that I built here, to maybe go off and do something where I don't know anybody other than the people that came with me. Think about all those people that were traveling west in wagons, leaving their family, not knowing anybody, and they're traveling west. They're doing something new. It's, it's a new frontier. And what happened? They got to the Rockies and said, no, Denver. We're, we're building Denver, right? Only the bravest came across, right? Um, the idea is that God may be calling you at some point, maybe not now, but at some point he may call you to say, hey, we want to do a, a work, kingdom expansion effort in another area. Would we be willing to give up everything we have here to say, all right, let's load up the wagon, let's go. Because you're not saying I don't love it here, but you're saying I'm willing to, to, to step out in faith and say, I'm going to go help do and build something new to reach more people, to expand the gospel. Why? Because that has eternal trajectory. That has the ability to reach people that are lost, to encourage people that are suffering, and to build up believers and equip more people for the work of service. Let us pray.